0: Chapter Three Dreaming Wide Awake Eventually, the crunching of tires on pavement broke us apart. Mom parked her car and got out. Well, I'll be damned. Sophia Olivia Porter. She walked up the stairs toward us, giving Sophia a hug when she'd reached the top. Hi, Cindy. Sophia had never called her Mrs. Clark, not even when we were kids. It was her version of rebelling against Carl, I guess. But Mom never minded. How are you, honey? Mom asked, squeezing Sophia's shoulder and leading us to the kitchen table to sit down while she made us all tea. My mother loves tea. As it turned out, Sophia wasn't so hot. She'd grown up quickly over the last year, and what she was doing next would force her to grow up even more. You're moving back to Harper Falls with your mom? I asked, aghast after she said it. Her doctor said it was the best place for her to be. She hasn't gotten out of bed in months, Ames. They said somewhere with familiar people, familiar places, familiar tragedies, I mused. That's what I said. But they claim having the stability of old friends and old places, well painful, may help her. Getting a job or volunteering doing something she likes so she has a reason to get out of bed? We can't make her do anything, but we can set her up for the best possible scenario and see where it goes, she said, shrugging. Dad and I are reselling the apartment in New York. Then Mom and I are coming back here, she said. He's, a uh, he's staying there, getting a smaller place, she quickly muttered. I think Kyle was too much for them. They're not. They can't. She didn't have to say it. I knew what she meant. Her parents were separating. The news came as such a bombshell that it nearly made my ears ring. Sure, her parents had had their fair share of problems, but they never seemed as bad as, say, my parents. However, when Kyle died, the loss had been devastating. It's not like they don't love each other they do i think she continued her voice low barely above a whisper but it's like they love each other so much they don't know what to do but yell they just keep pushing each other away it's killing my dad not knowing how to help her mom gave sophia a silent hug then squeezed my shoulder she quietly stepped from the room leaving us in the wake of the news in the silence of Sophia's crumbling stability. So, you're taking care of her? I asked. I'm living with her aim, she's not an invalid. She shook her head. When? I asked. I don't know. Soon? But there's still a bunch to do. I was looking at apartments here today, but there's nothing very good. She rambled on a bit nervously. We can't figure out if we want to do that or get a house. I mean, we can't get the old place, you know. We sold it. But having to pay for a place in New York and the place here, I don't know. She mused. Her head dropped, and she pursed her lips tightly. Reaching over, I squeezed the top of her knee. She sniffled. Sophia had never been one to hide her emotions, but... I'd also never seen her cry past the age of ten, with the exception of last year when Kyle died. A cough escaped her, and she shook her head, looking up at me. A small smile appeared on her lips. This is not how I intended this to go, she said, laughing a little. And how did you intend it to go? I asked in a low whisper unable to hide the twinge of sass in my voice. It definitely didn't include my weepy ass at your kitchen table. We pushed our foreheads together and shared a grin. It's getting late, I said, standing up. I realized Sophia didn't have a place in Harper Falls anymore. Did she get a hotel room? Where was she staying? Then it hit me. Were you, Were you planning on driving back to New York tonight? "'Kinda,' she shrugged. "'That's ridiculous. Just stay here,' I said. "'Mom, Sophie is staying over,' I called. After a minute, she called back. "'Okay, honey.' Then she paused. "'She's going to tell me to leave the bedroom door open,' I whispered. "'Leave your door open,' she said. I grinned, raising my eyebrows. "'Yes, mother,' I answered, and we descended the stairs toward my room, Magnet following close behind. It hasn't changed, Sophia mused, looking around at my room and sitting down on my bed. Yeah, well, nothing much has in Harper's Hell, I said, plopping myself next to her. Oh, here. I stood, opening a drawer and sifting through some clothes until I found sweatpants and a t-shirt. Are these my pants? She asked, amused. Yeah... They're so comfy. I kept them. I feigned guilt. She grinned and shook her head, changing in front of me like it wasn't going to make me flush with embarrassment. Oh, sorry, habit, she said, noticing the red in my cheeks. No, no, I'm sorry, I just... I cleared my throat, unsure of what else to say. I strategically changed into my pajamas, the old taking-the-bra-off-with-your-shirt-still-on-swapping-clothes-while-other-clothes-are-on routine. Sophia stayed turned around for the entire three-minute ordeal. You're good, I said, and she turned back. We climbed into bed together and started talking nonsense, I think about what movies we'd seen recently or something. But soon we both fell into sleep. It felt like I'd just drifted off when three distinct crashes pierced my ears. I leapt from bed. Silence. Hmm. Maybe I just dreamt it. A scream erupted from outside. Definitely didn't imagine that. I looked around, finding myself alone. No Sophia. No magnet. Huh. Huh. I slowly walked over to my window and pulled back my violet, room-darkening curtains, and the fire in our backyard woods half-blinded me. Every fiber in my body whispered, Open the window. Go out. Open it. Go out. The basement of our house sat at the base of a hilly incline, allowing me direct access to our yard. Utterly mesmerized, I unhooked the window's lock. Why? Couldn't tell you. Pulling it to the side and popping the screen out, I stepped into the night. Several inches of warm dirt and ash greeted my feet. Some spots still smoldered, and I kept my distance from anywhere that looked even remotely orange as I made my way around the front of the house. So, uh, why'd you come out here? Screams permeated my ears and I froze, a vivid assault on my senses descending. There were people crawling along the decimated road, their flesh and muscle sizzling, bubbling, and dripping from their bones like figures in a grotesque wax house. They suffered coupled together, burning two by two as if headed toward a demented Noah's Ark. I inhaled a lungful of smoke and the sickly sweet, charred smell of burning flesh, like someone holding leather over flame, stuck in my throat. My gag reflex kicked in, choking me, the acrid taste and lack of oxygen making my vision spotty. Trees stood ablaze, painting the night an ugly mix of deep blue, purple, and a fierce, fiery orange. A deep cry filled the air, and I turned my gaze upward to see two enormous, thick wings beating through the dark. A dragon? It flew out of sight its wail echoing across the sky. Snap! What is that? I flinched, turning to see the top of a tree hurling directly toward me. Jumping out of the way, I lost my footing and fell into a scalding pile of ash. My eyes filled with hot tears as I pulled my right hand away from the embers, but it was too late. My palm was scorched, dark, and shiny, new flesh red as blood shone beneath the ash. I stood, brushing myself off, gingerly fingering residue away from the wet, fresh layer of stinging skin. There was no time to do anything more as each melting couple slowly turned, enthralled with something behind me, their collective silence deafening. A sharp fear shot up my spine. My feet pivoted where I stood and my eyes fell on a woman, Draped in a dark, crimson cloak, the hood pulled up so as to hide her face. That cloak was familiar. Her visage, familiar. She lifted her head, and before I could see her face, she shifted and her sword caught the moon in a blinding reflection. A hand instinctively shot up to cover my eyes. When I looked a moment later, the cloaked woman, along with the burning victims, were gone. Fires continued to smolder all around. Iris, a soothing voice whispered behind me. Iris, he repeated, like a lullaby. A wave of relief crashed through me. I turned to see a young man, from the look of it a few years older than me, his eyes such a light blue that they were almost gray. Wavy, honey-colored hair fell to his ears. He was... Well, look, he was hot. He wore slightly baggy pants the color of hemp and a deep green plain t-shirt. A scar a single shade lighter than his skin poked out of the collar of his shirt, making its way over his collarbone and, I assumed, across his left shoulder. His eyes scrunched with concern. He reached out and touched my hand, an electric shock passing between us. Iris? He asked, looking straight at me, saying it as if it was my name. He took my hand gently. His skin felt warm and soft. What happened? What did you do? Me, I squeaked, and he nodded slowly, his eyes wide. I pulled away. Amelia? He stared, aghast. My whole body stumbled back in confusion. He called me by my full name. No one really did that, except Mom. He took a small jar of something from his pocket and unscrewed the cap. Inside was a thick, white goo. Reaching for my right hand, he gently smeared some of it onto my burn. I sighed as the pain dissipated. He smiled, and a set of dimples lit up his face. She's looking for you. We are all looking for you. He said, even your mom. My mom? Then, as if I'd missed something, he fell into sorrow. I couldn't save her. His glance fell to the ground, tears brimming in his eyes. Who, my mom? I asked, and he shook his head. No, the one with whom you've traveled, he whispered. And I felt the urge to reach out and touch his cheek. My fingers grazed his skin. My eyes flew open. The ringing of screams followed by silence still echoing in my skull. I felt like I was a kid again. That cloaked woman used to appear in my dreams all the time. Far more than the woman in the nightgown. Plus there was that period where she just followed me around, threatening me. But I was basically high then. It had been the drugs they'd had me on. Right? What is going on? I propped myself up on my elbows to find a figure standing at the edge of my bed. I reached beside me, but neither Magnet nor Sophia was there. Soph, is that you? I asked, a little groggy. It stepped forward once, twice, but it was so dark that I couldn't see anything but shadow inside shadow. I've been looking for you. The low, female voice said, laughing from somewhere guttural. Then she stepped close enough that I could see her. The cloak. The sword. Everything. She raised her hands above her head. Grasp between her palms was the hilt of a gleaming steel sword. The scream stuck in my chest freed as she thrust the blade down, slicing through my abdomen like water. The burn was agony but nothing compared to the sound coming from my mouth. It was a wail like nothing I'd ever made before, hoarse, vibrating. Warmth spread across my torso, the blood soaking my pajamas, my sheets. The woman leaned over me, and I ripped the cloak from her head. And there she was. No. There I was. Wait, me? She was me harsher, like the bones in her face were sharper. She stretched out her neck and kissed my forehead. Sorry, sis, she whispered, a twinge of genuine apology in her voice. Then she ripped the sword out and was gone. My fingers flew to the wound, and I looked around in panic for Sophia, for Magnet. Where are they? Footsteps bounded down the stairs, a scream echoed in the house. Oh, that's me. I'm still screaming. Then a hand was on my shoulder. Ames? It was Sophia. She had been in bed beside me? The overhead light in my room flicked on. My mother bounded in. What? What, honey, what? There was nothing. No blood? No wound? Magnet was even there. Not in my bed, he was lying by my closet door, but he was there. My scream became a whimper, my eyes burning with tears. Mom, it was... there was... she... she was... I couldn't make an actual sentence from a thought. I was starting to hyperventilate, tunnel vision closing in. Mom sat down next to me and hugged me close, the pressure calming me all over. It's happening again, isn't it? She whispered, her tone all at once concerned, afraid, and helpless. Just like it used to be. She was here, Mom. She was here, I said, repeating it a few times. She was... she was me? That's a hell of a thing I'm going to be unraveling in therapy until I'm forty. My mother became still. What? She asked, suddenly cold she was she was me that there was a, a woman here and she was me i rambled only she wasn't she had called you sis amy remember i thought but i couldn't deal with it right then so i pushed it from my mind ames it's okay you were having a night terror it's okay sophia said and now she was hugging me instead of mom my stomach was tied in hot knots The sensation of being stabbed still fresh on my skin. That was no night terror. I know night terrors, don't I? Mom made me tea, and she and Sophia sat with me for the better part of an hour while my heart rate slowed and I could feel normal again. Mom went back to her room sometime around three, and Sophia and I laid down in bed again. I was all at once charged and exhausted and Sophia said she'd stay awake with me all night if I needed her to. We both eventually fell to sleep, but I appreciated the gesture nonetheless. The following morning, I was groggy and moving slowly, and Little Blue was having trouble starting. Amelia? Francis? You're going to be late. Again, my mother called from the house, her voice somehow thick despite lots of nothing off which it could echo. Little Blue won't start, Mom, I said, coming out of the garage, Sophia behind me. I'll take you, Sophia said to me, then called up to my mom. I can take her, Cindy. You're a life safer Soph, Mom said, grateful, then stepped back inside the house. Come on, Sophia said, and started toward her brother's truck, which I guess was hers now. Get in. It felt both nostalgic and new being in that truck again, and we were both silent for a few minutes, taking in the feeling. I'm sorry about last night, I eventually said. Ames, don't apologize, it's fine, Sophia said, pushing against my shoulder. Besides, it's nothing we haven't been through before, right? She was right. We'd taken turns sleeping over at each other's houses over the years, going on vacations together, She'd seen me at my night terror worst. Mom even brought her to the hospital a couple times. More than a couple. Usually a handful of times a month. I smiled and agreed. Then we were pulling into the parking lot. A few straggling students were still hurrying toward the front door. She pulled in and offered me a hug. See you soon, Gigi. She winked. I gave her a grin and popped open the door, climbing out backwards in the process. I bumped into someone. Oh, sorry. Ugh. Watch where you're... Tony. She stopped mid-sentence as she looked up and saw me, then Sophia. She huffed, and it turned into a sarcastic, hateful giggle. Oh, how cute, she said, and kept walking. So freaking gross. But she definitely didn't say freaking. I rolled my eyes. She didn't think it was gross. She used to think Sophia and I were adorable. I looked at Sophia, and her eyes were ablaze with horror and apology. I promise I'll be back soon. Are you going to be okay? I smiled and shrugged, nodding, then closed the door and shuffled slowly into the hallowed halls of Harper High. There was no way this week could get any worse, or more complicated. But then... Honey hair appeared in my homeroom.